0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sage's Hitchhiker's Guide to ESG Investing. I'm Andy Pareda, ESG Research Analyst here at Sage, and I'm going to be discussing with our Chief Investment Officer, Bob Smith, about a recent issue that came up when the Department of Labor introduced a proposal that focused on how to address ESG investing. Um, I think it's a very interesting topic, but I have some concerns, and I'm really here excited to talk about Bob because I think he's going to give us some good insight. As to what this means and how we can move forward, kind of addressing this really important topic. Bob, mm. welcome today. Um, you know, do you kind of give us some intro on kind of your thoughts and kind of what you saw with this Department of Labor proposal, kind of gives people just a brief overview of what was uh, discussed and kind of what your you know, general thoughts are just on the intro of the uh, topic. Sure. Good morning, Andy. And good morning, everybody
1: else who's listening. Um, Well, as you know, on on June the 23rd, the Department of Labor issued a a notice of a proposed rulemaking entitled Financial Factors in Selecting Plan Investments. And it was primarily aimed at clarifying the obligations related to the consideration of environmental, social and governance factors by fiduciaries who oversee private sector pension and defined contribution plans um, that are guided by ERISA. Despite the aim of providing clarity for ERISA fiduciaries, our view, the proposal creates confusion. This is because there appears to be in part um, a failure on the part of the DOL to distinguish the difference between ESG integration and economically targeted investments, ETIs. Um, And so, you know, we think that the, the proposal you know, says that you know, risk of fiduciaries are obligated to integrate ESG factors in their investment analysis. That's great. Yeah, you know, if they determine that those factors are likely to have a material economic impact on the investment. However, they then go on to say, if a fiduciary does not believe that ESG factors will have a material economic impact on the investment, uh, it will not be permitted to consider those factors. This was very confusing. Should I or should I not? We, Bob so, can, I,
0: can I jump sure. in on that one? So I guess the question is too is I, I see it and you know, we at Sage look at it is sometimes, you know, social impact and kind of ESG risk are sometimes intertwined. So I, I feel like there are some some kind of combinations of the two and I don't know if they really get into the nuances of ESG investing, which is not always a one size fits all proposition. You know, the problem, though, with
1: this this kind of pronouncement, this uh, attempt to change the law basically says that fiduciaries, official fiduciaries may not sacrifice investment returns or assume greater investment risks as a means of, quote unquote, promoting collateral social policy goals. But that statement in and of itself uh, in the pronouncement reflects their very erroneous understanding of the, the true and evident benefits that uh, do accrue uh, from good, solid, core, quantitative ESG risk analysis that will accrue to a, a risk of plans and to plan participants over the long term. And so, you know, we think it's a very confused uh, proposal. We think that uh, they are behind the curve in terms of understanding the true nature and value and um, effort that's really been put into uh, quantitative ESG risk assessment uh, and how it's become a much more pivotal and cornerstone uh, factor uh, for a lot of investment managers around the globe.
0: Do you think it's going to scare off potential um, people that are interested in ESG? Uh, That's my kind of big fear is that this convoluted message at a minimum is going to kind of give people pause on whether it's putting an ESG product onto their 401k platform, or it's a consultant considering for their ERISA plan, whether or not they're going to actually, you know, choose an ESG investment.
1: I mean, look, aside from the fact that this statement says, look, we at the DOL are ignorant of, you know, the demonstrated benefits of uh, ESG integration as a risk mitigation and a return ha- enhancement effort, um, but they, they essentially tried to trivialize it or marginalize it in the sense that they're saying, look, you know, ESG really boils down to nothing more than having a collateral social policy goal, and nothing could be further from the truth. I think from a fiduciary standpoint, um, they put some fear into the marketplace, because you know, fiduciary duty within the context of ERISA relates to someone who has to manage people's money um, and and how they should act in terms of the interest of plan beneficiaries and means basically, you know, they have to serve the interest of the investors as opposed to themselves. And that's the most important feature of the law: a firm adherence to client loyalty and prudence. And so. We don't see that, you know, ESG in any way, shape, or form violates the interests of the fiduciary standing. But also you have to be able to consider all risks, particularly ESG-focused risks, and apply good judgment and objective analysis in, in the pursuit of what we believe is really important and what I think a lot of investors are looking for, good, moral, ethical, and prudent decision-making really kind of bubbles up from this process. And this guidance, this proposal is, uh, in my view, is essentially putting it into a kind of a secondary or tertiary position. In essence, making kind of ESG analysis kind of a second class citizen in terms of the order of importance.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, Bob, that's really interesting. I think, you know, a lot of the work we've done here, whether it's you look at a company like 3M which, you know, if we had done ESG analysis back on 3M back in the 1950s and 60s, we would see that that, you know, what that damage is doing to our society, as well as the potential of the company moving forward, can be in the essence of billions of dollars, right? I, I guess I'm confused as to why, you know, with these plethora of stories that we have, why is the Department of Labor still pushing back when... More than ever, I mean, even this market dislocation in March, we should be having, you know, a consensus that ESG analysis has been underutilized in the past, and there is a place for it and a need for it more so than ever.
1: Well, I think the DOL um, is misinformed. Um, I, you know, their position doesn't necessarily reflect uh, what is going on in the marketplace. When you look at the the growth and the interest in ESG-focused and optimized funds, whether it's in the mutual fund community or in the exchange-traded fund community, um, across the board in institutional investment management. This proposal seems to deny the clear trends that are in the marketplace. And more importantly, if we look at it from a 401 k perspective, we look at where you know our workforce is, workforce is demographically. We have a number of people within the workforce that are very environmentally sensitive, are very socially aware, you know, and and recognize good deeds when they see them and good governance when they see them, and they are very desirous of these of these values. And it's not just the millennials; it's the X generation, and more importantly, the Z generation. Uh, they are going to constitute the largest segment of our workforce, you know, at 2025 and beyond. And yet we have a system that's really wired and built and oriented towards the boomer generation. When you think about it, what this particular uh, proposal you know, does, it's an attempt to essentially, essentially push ESG back uh, to reduce its value, to not give recognition for these trends. And in fact, it denies the obvious The consumer, what the consumer wants and who that consumer is, is denied by this proposal. More and more millennials and and Z generation, X generation people are highly charged over these issues and wanna see it infused in their investments that they they decide upon. It also denies the idea that look, ESG funds are absolutely superior in their performance, particularly over the last two, three, four, five years They've done extremely well compared to a lot of conventional funds. So what is a prudent choice? Is a prudent choice to pick the best funds that are being run in the best way with the best outcomes? If that's clearly the case, and that's what your fiduciary should be charged with doing, then why not ESG-optimized funds? Because they stand head and shoulder above a lot of the conventional alternatives that are in the plan design as it is today.
0: I guess the question is, one, what happens next with this seemingly kind of, you know, the DOL seems like they're on their own on this one in terms of how people view this. And then like, what else do you think we can do to help push the cause to make sure that the DOL changes their viewpoint? Um, Since this obviously seems like a very dangerous proposal that, you know, has a lot of long lasting consequences.
1: I think that as we go forward, the way you evoke and, and you enforce change is that you make your position known. This proposal is exactly what it is, it is a proposal. It needs public commentary. We need to change the mind of the DOL through our voice, our engagement. And it's an imperative that all advisors who see the value of ESG integration as a risk mitigation uh, effort, who see the value of ESG as really getting at the heart and soul of what investors want in terms of their investment products uh, that they're investing in, who see the positive intentionality that accrues from that in terms of the the corporate managements that are receiving the benefit of the capital flows from 401k plans, Um, those are the change agents we want to get the DOL on board with being a change agent. The only way we do that is become engaged and make yourself known. Otherwise, we will be stuck you know, in the bygone error of how DC plans should be run uh, for the past, not for the future.
0: Wow, well, that's a, some great insight. You know, I think we're all, you know going to be watching it with a close eye. But uh, we really appreciate you listening in today on Hitchhiker's Guide and hope you tune in to our next episode.
2: Sage Advisory Services is a registered investment advisor that provides investment management services for a variety of institutions and high net worth individuals. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended as investment advice or an offer or solicitation with respect to the purchase or sale of any security, strategy, or an investment product. Investors should make their own decisions on investment strategies based on their specific investment objectives and financial circumstances. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. For additional information on SAGE and its investment management services, please view our website at www.sageadvisory.com or refer to our form ADV, which is available upon request by calling 512-327-5530.